0: Move amongst us this morning, we ask, in Jesus' name, name. Amen. amen, 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 God bless you, wonderful time just to be in His presence this morning, Spirit and the Bride say come, wonderful. We look forward to that day. <laughs> oh man, what a glorious day when we will behold our Savior face to face. And who knows, it may be sooner than we expect. Some may have the privilege to go before us. You know, we, we uh, as humans, we weep and mourn at the loss of someone. I'll tell you what, I think it's them that we mourn at us that are still stuck here. We have such an inheritance to look forward to, such a blessing. The best, best is yet to come. The best is yet to come. We have no idea what's waiting for us. Eye has not seen, ear has not heard what awaits for us. Imagine that day. We love singing and praising, but imagine that day when it erupts with a host of angels, thousands upon thousands, hundreds and millions of them, worshipping Him. We're there. And we have a song we sing that they can't. For He has redeemed us by the blood of the Lamb, out of every tribe and nation and song. And that's one song where the angels were quiet to us. Isn't that wonderful? But they don't be quiet for too long because soon afterwards they join us and say glory to the Lamb. Amen. What a privilege we have to be children of God. What a wonderful inheritance we have. What a wonderful future we have to look over to folks. Don't be distressed by the things going on. Don't lose hope when Sometimes things do fall apart. Don't even lose hope when you've lost loved one. Rejoice, man. You know, sometimes I, you know, when I'm really down, I kind of say, you know, Lord, I kind of, you know, that guy's gone before me. How lucky is he? He's in your presence. We're still stuck here in this body. And we say, you know, I think it's a good thing God doesn't show us heaven what it really is, why he's withheld most of what it is, and it says, I hasn't be held. We've got no idea what it looks like. The Bible gives us a little glimpse in what it can put in words of what it will be like, but we have no idea. And it's probably a jolly good thing. Because if I think we really saw it, none of us would really want to be here at all. We would be queuing up, saying, Lord, take me, take me, take me, take me. Can I go with <laughs> We have a wonderful inheritance. Amen. Matthew chapter 16. Matthew chapter 16, and I'm going to read from verses 13 through to 25. Verse 13, yes. Matthew chapter 16 from verse 13. When Jesus came into the region of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, saying, Who do men say that I, the Son of Man, am? So they said, Some say John the Baptist, some Elijah, some Jeremiah, or one of the prophets. And he said to them, But who do you say that I am? And Simon Peter answered and said to him, You are the Christ, the Son of the living God. And Jesus answered and said to him, Blessed are you, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father who is in heaven. And I also say to you that you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of Hades shall not prevail against it. And I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven and whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. And then he commanded his disciples that he should tell no one that he was Jesus the Christ. From that time Jesus began to show his disciples that he must go to Jerusalem and suffer many things from the elders and the chief priests and the scribes and be killed and be raised on the third day. But then Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him, saying, Far be it from you, Lord. This shall not happen to you. But he turned to Peter and said, Get behind me, Satan. You are an offense to me, for you are not mindful of the things of God, but of the things of men. Then Jesus said to his disciples, If anyone desires to come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. For whoever desires to save his life, We'll lose it. But whoever loses his life for my will find it. May God bless his word. Yesterday we spoke about uh, hunger and thirst for the word of God, for righteousness, and for this living water that Jesus promised that he would give to those who thirst. And for those who hunger after righteousness, he would fulfill us. And as we spoke, we, we came to this, how do we get to that point where we, where we really hunger and thirst and we realize that the church of God is often uh, in a position, as we know, of actually being full. There's not much hunger. We have enough. And we said that, that the one way that we can really come to the Lord to receive what is promised us is probably the only way. And that is through absolute surrender unto Him. Absolute surrender unto Him. So, we want to continue this morning on that theme of surrendering unto God. And in this passage of Scripture, we see something quite remarkable happening here to one of the, um, how can I say, one of the the, the uh, um, more prominent, how can I say, vocal. Members of his disciples, isn't it? You know, Peter was the one, as as we, we, we talked about earlier on, you know, he was the one when, at the transfiguration as well, that Dion mentioned as well, the one that jumped in afterwards, oh, let's, let's, let's build something, let's do something. And he had to be quietened by the voice of God, you know. The Lord spake. Peter was always the one to sort of come up and just, you know, Speak it out there, you know. Bless, bless him for being like that, you know. And that's what I love about the Lord. He used different people. John was different, wasn't he? John was so different. He was, he was the one that loved to put his, you know, his, his head on the Lord's shoulder. He just wanted to be close to him. Peter was the one that just wanted to go and get it, you know, and get things done and say things. And I love it the way the Lord just uses everyone. Doesn't matter who you are or, 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 or what your personality is, God will use that if you give it to him. If you surrender unto him, we always think we 've got a change. oh i 've got to be more like Billy Graham before I can be a great evangelist. No, you just be who you are. Surrender your life to Christ, and he will use you. He used Peter at amusement, he used his attributes and, and, and who he is who who is the one that preached the sermon the sermon let 's say three thousand the same Peter that shouts his mouth off often a little bit, uh, for, and so the Lord comes and he asks them, he says who do you say oh, I am? And, of course, Peter's the first guy to answer. I don't know what the other guys uh, were, were, were thinking. Maybe, maybe they were glad. You know, have you ever been in school? You sit in the class, you know, and the teacher asks a question. And uh, you kind of yeah, you, you think you got the answer, but you don't really want to say because you might be wrong. And then someone else answers, you're going kind to of go, Phew, thank you, especially if he's got it wrong and you had the same answer. You're kind of really glad that he got it wrong. You know, you don't feel like an idiot. So, you know, Peter does this thing. He, 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 he talks and he says this and he says, you know, you, you are God, Christ, the son of the living God. And Jesus turned around and says, blessed are you, Simon Jonah. You didn't know this by yourself, but my father in heaven has revealed this to you. What a statement. What a statement of faith to Peter saying, blessed are you. This didn't come out of your head, Peter. This is my father in heaven that's revealed it to you. But then look what happens just a few verses later. The same Peter. The same Peter. When Jesus explained, okay, I am. They realize who he is. But then he tells them what's going to happen to him. You know, the Pharisees, you know, the, 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 the church of that day is going to turn against him. And they're going to mock him and they're going to r- r- tear him apart. They're going to they're kill him. Imagine that. And Peter says, no ways. I'm not going to allow that, my Lord. Why would I allow that? I'm not going to let them. I mean, imagine that. If they told you, your pastor John, you know, tomorrow he's going to go and the rest of the church is going to tear him apart. They're going to whip him. They're going to beat him. You'd be saying, no ways. I'm not going to allow that. And that's what he did. And then Jesus turns around and he says, get behind me, Satan. Get behind me, Satan, for you are an offense to me. What a change. Blessed art thou, Simon Barjona. Get behind me, Satan. You're an offense to me. What a shock that must have been to. Wow. You know, I don't think for one moment that Peter meant harm. He probably did what you and I would have done in that same situation. Imagine being so close to Jesus. And then finally realizing, yes, he is the son of God. Yes, he is the Messiah. And then he tells you, those guys with their long white robes, the guys that love preaching on the, you know, praying on the streets with these long prayers for everyone to see them, uh, the ones that he was so angry with, they're going to go take him apart. Of course, Peter said, I'm not going to allow that to happen to you. But then Jesus turns around and says to him, get behind me, Satan. It's to me. For you are not mindful of the things of God. You still have the mind of a man. You still have a mind of man. You see, Peter hadn't understood fully the will of God. At this moment, Peter is still Peter. Yes, he's had a revelation, just like you and me. We have revelations of God. God speaks to us. We get a word of wisdom. It's amazing. When that word is confirmed, it's awesome. But, you know, the next day we say something and it's just, no, it's flesh. Why? Because we still have mind of the flesh. And this is what he's saying to Peter you don't have the mind of God. You're not considering God's will. I think there was another incident where he did pretty much the same, isn't it? Where they tried to arrest him. He tried to intervene as well. And he had to tell him, don't do this. You know, Put away your sword, man. This is not the way... You understand that at this point, Peter and, and the other disciples, Peter was just the one that was the most prominent and jumping to it, first of all. He He, he was still... In the flesh. He was still in the flesh. You think, how can that be? It was so close to Jesus. Well, the Holy Spirit hadn't been poured out upon them yet. So we can see something here in the life of Peter. Something was missing. And often we find this ourselves, don't we? We find it that we... Because we're stuck in this little human body of ours called a body, but the Bible actually calls it the temple of the Holy Spirit, you know. So, you know, when you look in the mirror, sometimes, you know, I look and I think, oh, this old bald head of mine was, a, you know, took me a while to get used to it. And uh, I look in the mirror, I think, "Where's this old guy looking at in the mirror? You know, and you think, man, but, you know, maybe we'd look more into the mirror and see, you know what, I see a temple of the Holy Ghost. I see a temple of Jesus. This is where the Holy Spirit of God resides in this body. I don't know why he put it here. It's his grace and his mercy. But he's given us the Holy Spirit that is in with me. And instead of looking and saying, Oh, you know, I'm going to get these crinkles out. Why don't we rather say, Lord, here am I. Use me today. Use me. Let me be an instrument. Let me be an instrument of worship, of sacrifice, of praise, whatever you want to do. That's what he does when he comes into our life. But the problem is, as human beings, we don't do that. We sit around and we look at the problems of the world and we're trying to figure it out. And then something goes wrong in the life and we're sitting there thinking, well, you know, I know why it happened. You know, I think I think what happened, God's trying to teach this person a lesson. You know, or God's going to do this, or God's going to, and we try and figure it all out. But Jesus said, you're working in your own flesh. You still have the mind of man and not the mind of God. You see, God doesn't have to explain himself to us. He doesn't have to explain himself to us. Remember old Job. And I might have mentioned before, but but you know, Job, I love him. Man, this guy had a rough time. Wonderful servant of the Lord. And then the Lord just takes it away. And everything goes wrong. Not just he loses his stuff, he loses his family, kids, everything, the whole lot. And then he gets sick and he gets, he gets in a terrible state. And at the end of it, Job does question God. I say, Lord, why? Why have you done this to me? I, I, I've always done right. And by God's own admission, he was a righteous man. There was nothing wrong with him. And so I, I, you can't blame Job for eventually saying, I'm sure you and I would have done it way longer, you know, before. Job took a long time before eventually just asked God, what what have I done wrong, you know, to do this? How I love about it. God doesn't say, oh, Job, I'm sorry, I didn't got to tell you. You know what, Job, actually, let me explain to you, Job, this is not really actually nothing to do with you. It's actually a thing between me and Satan, you know, I'm just kind of using you because I trust you, by the way. And I was trying to explain to Satan that it doesn't matter what you do. This guy's never going to. He doesn't do that. He doesn't give him that explanation. All he says to him is, Job, where were you when I laid the foundations of the earth? Where were you, Job? When I put the sea and everything in its place, when I flung the stars in its place, when I spoke the, the sun into being, where were you, Job? Where were you? When I created those huge monsters, those huge animals in the sea and on the land, where were you, Job, when I did that? You know, I love Job's response. He says, when I heard and I saw him, all he said is, I am vile. I am vile. I am vile. How dare I have even thought my own thoughts? My own thoughts. How did that happen? We so long, we so want to think things out and do. We got to understand God is sovereign. Came through John's message a few times. Why did God send a raven, an unclean bird to feed Elijah? If it was you and me, we probably would have said a dove, a nice white one. But he didn't. He sent an unclean raven. Why? He's sovereign. He's showing you, I am God. And what I love about Elijah, he didn't go and sit there and think, why did God do this? Lord, did you send a raven? I mean, there's some beautiful doves out there you could have said. Maybe even an eagle. Why did you send a raven? He didn't. God was sovereign. He ate as the ravens gave him. and Then he sent to him a widow without food. You and I would have said, now what are you doing? Lord? Why are you doing this? He doesn't question him. You see, God is sovereign. God is sovereign. And we need to understand that. We need to understand we've got to have the mind of God, not our own mind. Our mind and our thinking will always get us in trouble. Isn't that why a lot of the church is in a mess today? You have so many opinions and sometimes... You know, these, these 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 preachers out on there, they have views. They're 180 degrees apart. This guy says it's that. That guy says the dead opposite. When you think, hang on a second, you've got the same Holy Spirit living in you. Go on? It's nothing to do with the Holy Spirit. It's to do with the mind of the flesh. It's the mind. And this is why he rebukes uh, Peter or Satan behind Peter and telling him, You don't have the mind of Christ. He needs us to come. And what I love, you you remember that scripture in Isaiah 55. What does it say about our thoughts versus God's thoughts? Isaiah 55 verses 5 and 6. Read it. Beautiful, beautiful one. We quote it so often. But it is so true, isn't it? This is comparing. This is what God's trying to tell us. Guys, don't even try and think this out. Because in Isaiah 55 verse 5 and 6, it says this, For my thoughts... Are not your thoughts. And my ways are not your ways says the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth. So are my thoughts higher than yours. And my ways higher than yours. Is that not true? We cannot even begin to comprehend. Our thoughts are stuck here on planet earth. His are higher than the heavens. They surpass the universe. We have no idea what he's planning, all he wants us to do is trust him. Put your life in my hand. Don't try and figure it out. Trust me, for I am God. That's what he showed Job. Where were you when I created everything? Job, trust me. If I can do that, I can do anything. And just immediately after uh, uh, Jesus rebukes uh, Peter and Satan behind Peter for Saying such a silly thing. He then goes on and he says to his disciples, If anyone desires to come after me, he must deny himself. Take up the cross and follow me. For whoever desires his, his, to save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life for my sake will follow him. You see, to follow Christ costs something. As I mentioned yesterday, salvation is free, right? Right? Salvation's free. You cannot earn it. I cannot. I, I, I love it. You know, a, a few years ago, I just remember this now, uh, many years ago actually. You <laughs> forget when you get old how many years. Old, you know. They kind of seemed like yesterday, and you find out they're 30 years ago, and you think, whoa, that's a long time ago. Uh, we did a little missionary trip from. We, we stayed in Botswana in Africa, and we went over to Germany, and I don't know if you know. Um, an organization called Love Europe. You know they have had this. Uh, it was like evangelist outreach. We all went big teams of us from all over the world. People from Africa and all over the world. We went to Germany, and uh, so we dispersed out and 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 we spoke to uh, specifically where I, I I ended up in a place called Dusseldorf in, in 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 Germany. I'd never been there, coming from Africa, it was really strange. And uh, we ended up in, in the back of a, a railway station in this little a van that they converted into a little cafeteria where we had tea and coffees and what we would do is we would go to 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 the drug addicts and uh, and uh, and minister to them and uh, preach the gospel to them and of course they spoke german i spoke english and we we had translators and, and so on but 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 the amazing thing is there that you know god intervened and touched lives there like never before and i remember this couple came to us the one day and they were oh, they were completely stoned. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, they were they were druggies. They were they were as thin as rakes. And, 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 and both him, not his wife, just his girlfriend. And, and and they came to us, and and he accepted the Lord. We didn't pray for him. another another couple. Prayed for them, myself and another um, American guy. We were in a little tent praying, and they prayed, and this guy gave his life to the Lord. And then they brought her to us. And they said, she wants to give her life to the Lord, but she's, she's struggling. She, she doesn't know how to pray. So we said, okay, but we'll pray with you. She said, okay. I said, well, we'll lead you in prayer. So we start off like we did. We said, dear Lord Jesus Christ. And she's silent. So we go again, dear Lord Jesus Christ. And she's silent. So we asked her, why don't you pray? She says, Look at me. Look at me. I'm filthy. I'm rubbish. And you want me to call his name? You want me to call on him? Look at me. I'm in no state to call him my Lord. You could say to you, you're in exactly the right state. You're in exactly the right state. You know, that couple gave their lives to the Lord. That was about 10 o'clock in the morning. They went with us late in the evening. We stayed with her in a house in Dusseldorf. And uh, we went, we, we, they all came with us and, 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 and uh, we were chatting and it was just joyous. You know, these two are just, and suddenly she flew up. It's about eight, nine o'clock at night. She flew up and ran out. And her boyfriend, um, he got perturbed. He says, Oh, she's probably gone off to, Find some drugs and he said and then she came back and she actually came back with a bunch of flowers and she gave it to the hostess that was giving us food that night, she gave it to her and uh, he, he looked at her and he said I was worried." you and they both looked at each other and they looked at us and they said this is amazing we, we didn't know what they were talking about and they said we've gone all day we've not for drugs and they told us they couldn't go two hours two hours what had cost him? Nothing. That's the peace of God. Yes. When you come to him like that, look what he does. Whom the son sets free is free indeed. That was set free instantly. That guy started ministering to us with us. After three weeks, we forgot he was a drug addict. We thought he was part of the team. So he was evangelizing amongst the others. That's how God transforms life. And it didn't cost them everything. But friends, when we want to now walk with Jesus... When we want to go with him and be with him and do his will and walk his ways, it now costs us everything. He expects us to lose our life. We cannot continue and walk with him and stay in the flesh. Can you see that? It is impossible. It is impossible. You see, we have to surrender to him. What does surrender mean? Surrender means this. The dictionary says this, and I was I was so pleased when I read it. It says, stop resisting someone and submit to their authority. Stop resisting and submit to their authority. And I thought, hello, there's a scripture that says something like that. It's in James 4 verse 7. It says, therefore, submit to God. Submit to God. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. Isn't that amazing? That's surrender. Submitting unto God. Then you resist the devil and he will flee from you. That's what he wants. You see, the problem is we often through life, we try to uh, uh, resist the devil in our own strength. But the key is to come and submit to God in full submission and surrender to him. Then resisting the devil is easy. And that's why the Bible says, oh, he, he won't just walk away from you. He actually runs from you. He flees from you. You know why? Because when you surrender to him, he really doesn't want to be near you. He really, really doesn't want to be near you because he actually knows he can't touch you. The life surrendered to Christ, he can't touch you. He can't get into your mind. He can't attack your body. He can do nothing. He's got to fear. He has no authority over you. You've given your authority to him. That's why he flees away. Have you ever been in a situation, I mentioned to the men the other day, where, you know, you, you ask God some, sometimes, you know, we pray about things, and, Lord, please show us, please show us, please show us, lead us, show us. And that's what we should do, right? That's what, what spiritual living is about. We want God's cause and everything. Then you're not sure, man, is this me or is this God? And sometimes it's the devil, especially when you've got a tricky decision. He loves to come in and, you know, maybe whisper in your ear, twist your ear a little bit, get you in the wrong direction. Well, if I understand the scripture correctly, if I submit to God, I resist the devil, he flees from me. So where's he then? He's gone. I've surrendered to him. So that means I've crucified myself. I no longer live. It is he that lives in me. And if I'm dead, well, Dead men don't talk, do they? So what's the only voice you can hear is the voice of God. That's why we've got to surrender. That's why we've got to surrender, so we can only hear his voice. As long as we keep hearing our own voice, it's obviously because the flesh is not put down. We've got to put the flesh down so we can hear the voice of the Spirit. And that's what it talks about in Galatians 5 verse 16. If you want to have a look at it quickly. Galatians 5 verse 16. And uh, this is Paul explaining to us as well. In Galatians 5 verse 16, it says there, It says, I say then, walk in the spirit, and, you'll not be, and you will not fulfill the love of the flesh. That's how we get rid of the, fle- the lust of the flesh. Walk in the spirit. For the flesh lusts against the spirit, and the spirit against the flesh. And these are contrary to one another. And so you do not do the things that you wish, but if you are led by the spirit, you are not under the law. Now the works of the flesh are evident, which are adultery, fornication, uncleanness, lewdness, idolatry, sorcery, hatred, contentions, jealousnesses, outbursts of rash, <coughs> selfish ambitions, dissensions, heresies, envy, murders, drunkenness, revelries, and the like of which are beforehand, just as I also told you in the past that those who practice such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, (coughs) gentleness, self-control, and against such there is no law. And those who are Christ's have what? Have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. If we live by the Spirit, let us also walk in the Spirit. You see, there's this constant battle between our flesh and our spirit. Now we need to understand one thing, that this flesh of ours has no good whatsoever. Nothing in our flesh is good. Romans 7 verse 18 says this, For I know that in me, that is in my flesh, nothing good dwells. Nothing good dwells in my flesh. Romans 8 verse 7, Because the carnal mind, the fleshly mind, is enmity against God. For it is not subject to the law of God, nor indeed can be. so those who are in the flesh cannot please God. because the fleshly mind, the carnal mind, is enmity against God. It actually some translations say it is hostile against God. The definition of enmity is actually hatred and, 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 and we think, how can that be? How can that be? But your flesh is in di- direct opposition. God. So this is why we have the struggle, because when we are born again, we receive the Holy Spirit, don't we? We receive as the Holy Spirit as a sealing of of our salvation, isn't it? So you gave us the Holy Spirit. Remember when Jesus breathed on his disciples, he said, receive the Holy Spirit, but then he told them to go and wait for the Holy Spirit. Well, how does that work? Okay, because when he breathed on them, he confirmed that they were born again believers. First born again believers on the earth. And the same thing happens to us. We receive the Holy Spirit as a guarantee of our salvation. Our, our spirit with the Holy Spirit confirm that we are children of God. That's how we know. But then, uh, so this Holy Spirit that, that is within us, this Holy Spirit is in conflict with the flesh. Now we think that when we're born again, everything becomes new. And that is true, it does. It's like a reset button is pressed, isn't it? God wipes out all the stuff of the past. All those things in the pot, is slate is clean. And that's why we feel so wonderful when we're born again. You feel like you're walking on air like a little butterfly. you, All your worries are gone, all your cares are gone, your ugly past is wiped out, the grass is greener, the flowers are prettier, everything smells better. It just, it's just amazing. It's amazing. you remember that? Maybe that's why Jesus reminds us in Revelation, don't forget your first love. Go back to that first love. Remember what he's done for you. But you see, the problem is once we walk out of them, we go back to life. And then, hello, one day Mr. Flesh is back again. You get angry. You look at someone. You say something wrong. You you just get upset. And Mr. Flesh yourself rises up again. You think, hey, I thought you were dead isn't <laughs> there's a scripture I think it's a Luke 9 23 Jesus puts basically the same thing is put here he talks about uh, um, uh, the, the cross he, he says that if anyone desires the same things with the same count, encounter uh, come after me he says let him deny himself and then he says take up the cross daily and follow me now what does he want us to take up a cross what do we do with the cross Put it on our shoulder so that it's a heavy burden to walk around with. I mean, that picture, just, you know, I've thought of it often. Take up the cross and walk. I'm going to do God's work. No, 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 no. What do you do with the cross? You crucify people. on them. Yeah. Take the cross so you can keep crucifying yourself every day. Every day. That's why it says daily take up your cross, man. Make it be there. So when Mr. Flesh rises up, there's the cross. Nail it to it. That's what He wants. He wants us to walk in the Spirit. You see, and once we start doing that, and we walk in the Spirit, as the Bible calls us to start surrendering our lives to Him, and not giving into to the, the desires of the flesh, and giving our minds and our fleshly thoughts room to play, then what happens is, is the desires of the Holy Spirit start taking over. And then we'll find that the desire of the Holy Spirit is greater than the desire of the flesh. And the desire of the flesh diminishes as the desire of the Holy Spirit increases. And every time we feel that our flesh, our fleshly desires rise up more and more within us, then we need to realize something is wrong. It's time to take the cross and nail the flesh to the cross so that the desires of the Holy Spirit can again rise up within us and take over. And that's what Paul talks about, walking in the Spirit. On a daily basis, it is life. That's how we have to walk, completely surrendered, Unto him. And that's where power comes from. That's where it comes from. When we start doing this and we start handing over everything, our lives to him, we crucify uh, ourselves to the cross and we allow the Holy Spirit to take over and allow his desires and his thoughts to come up within us. And we walk in that spirit as he guides and leads us. In, in, In Ephesians chapter 3, just have a look at it quickly Ephesians 3, verses 14 think um, this kind of explains it in a nutshell uh, ephesians 4 uh, sorry three verses 14 to 21 says this and i love how this starts off in verse 40 he says for this reason i bow my knees to the father of our lord jesus christ there's a submission for this reason, I bow my knees to the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, this mission, for whom the whole family in heaven on earth is named, that he would grant you according to the riches of his glory to be strengthened with might through his spirit in the inner man, that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, that you being rooted and grounded in love may be able to comprehend with all the saints what is the width, the length, the depth, and the height to know the love of Christ which passes uh, knowledge, that you might be filled with the fullness of God. Now listen to this one, which we quote so often. Now to him who is able to exceedingly abundantly above all we ask or think according to the power that works in us, to him be glory in the church to, uh, by Christ to all generations forever and ever. Now, to him who is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we think or ask. Isn't that a wonderful scripture? How many times have you quoted that? Maybe you've prayed it for someone. You've prayed it as a blessing to someone that he who is able to do exceedingly far above what we can ever think or imagine. Remember, our thoughts are not our thoughts. That his thoughts are far higher than ours. That's what he's talking about. He who is able to do far above, we can never even begin to imagine. What a promise! of God, What a promise it is, but there's a little key in there, according to what? According to the power that works in us. You see that? It's all according to the power that works in us. What's this power that works in us? It's the Holy Spirit? That's the only power. It's the power of the Holy. So it's according to the power of the Holy Spirit that works in us. So what is this power? What is the spirit that works in us? There's a scripture, Romans 8 verse 11. It says, But if the spirit of him who raised Christ from the dead dwells in you and in me, he who raised Christ from the dead, that same spirit, will also give life to your mortal bodies through his spirit who dwells in you. Now that's the same spirit that Raise Christ from the dead. That now lives in us. Now I don't know about you, but that sounds like an awfully, awfully powerful spirit. It could raise Christ from the dead. But if I look at the church today, I wonder how is that even remotely looking possible? That it's the same spirit that was in Christ that raised him from the dead, that lives in his church today. And what do we see? Do we see the same? You see, it's the same spirit that now lived in Peter, that now no longer had the mind of his own and try to figure it himself. It was the same spirit that now lived in Peter, that he was so full of that he could now speak, and 3,000 are saved in one day. The same spirit that was in them that they could walk by a lame man and say, silver and gold have I none, but in the name of Jesus Christ, stand up and walk. The same spirit that was on Paul when a snake viper bit him on his hand and they expected him to drop dead and he shook it off and just carried on talking and nothing happened. The same spirit that was on Paul when he preached an awfully long sermon and someone fell out the window and dropped dead outside. Then he went outside, picked him up, and raised them back from the dead. So you ain't dying. You've got to carry on listening to me. That's the same spirit. It's according to the power that works in us. So I have to ask, how much power was working in them? How much authority did they give to the Holy Spirit? All of it. All of it. They gave everything to him. There was nothing left of themselves, Nothing. Everything was under the control of the Holy Spirit. That's where the power comes from. That's where the, when we surrender it all. They gave it all up. That was it. They didn't care when they were thrown in jail. They didn't worry about it. Think of Stephen. I love Stephen, you know, because Stephen to me, he just typifies the early believers, isn't it? He was, he wasn't one of the, the apostles, the chosen ones, but he was obviously one of those that heard and, you know, was there when Peter preached and, 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 the, and maybe he was the guy that shouted out, Hey, brothers, what must we do to receive this, you know? And then he said, repent. And I'm sure he was probably one of the first in the queue. And, and, and the Bible says he was so zealous, this guy. He was so, Oh, man, he was so thirsty for the things of God that God just filled him up, and he'd be thirsty, and He'd fill him up some more. And the Bible says he did many signs and wonders. It wasn't Paul or Peter; this is Stephen. He was appointed as a, as a, as a, as a really a whole person. He was he was to serve tables and stuff. He wasn't given some prominent position. But he was so full of the Holy Spirit. He couldn't help himself when these Jews came. He gave it to them and he gave him a preach and a sermon that their ears burned. He had no fear. And they got so angry at him, and started stoning him. It didn't stop him. All he did is he looked up into heaven and he saw the glory of God. These guys, how much did they give to the Lord? How much of themselves did they hold back? Nothing. They were 100% given over to the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit had full control of their lives. Full control of their lives. So that even when the stones rained down and death looked him in the face, he could look straight up into heaven and see the glory that awaits him. What a wonderful way to go. I don't think he felt those stones, man. And all he could do is pray for them. Father, don't, they, they don't understand. They don't understand. You see, what... What potential the church of God has. Now, as I said yesterday, the Holy Spirit hasn't changed. Just as God and Jesus Christ hasn't changed. He's the same yesterday, today, tomorrow. The Holy Spirit of God is the same yesterday, today, tomorrow, and forevermore. He will never change. He doesn't lose his power. We don't give him enough authority. We have to be sold out to him. I mean... The church has such potential. Just imagine—I mean, we'd love to see this world change, wouldn't we? I mean, imagine this world in—in—in—in in, 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 uh, where people really, truly come and and give their lives to the Lord. Imagine husbands and wives living as God ordained them to be, and raising their children in the fear of God. Imagine the blessings of those families. Imagine households being saved and born again and living fully unto Him glorifying Him, not worrying about their own lives, giving everything to Him, maybe then the church of God will be in a position to face up to Baal. Only then, when we're fully sold out to Him, when we're fully, fully, fully uh, given unto Him. Remember, He called us to be salt and light to the world. That's what he told us. That's what the church is supposed to be. And then he tells us that this light must so shine before men that the whole world can see it and give glory to God. And I think when they look at the church, they don't exactly give glory to God at the moment. They just mock it. They just mock the church as a religious entity. But it's because we're not full. But if we're full of the Holy Spirit, we're led by the Holy Spirit, we walk in the power and the glory and the might, and the Holy Spirit just leads us every day in everything that we do, well, then things might just change. Things might just change. I want to go back to... uh, I am calling call him my friend, but I kind of like Nebuchadnezzar the way he ended his life. Because this guy is such a picture, is I mentioned yesterday, after Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego were thrown into the fiery furnace, how he came, up and he says, well, you know, you all gotta, you all gotta turn around and, you know, you dare not speak against their God anymore. You know, and I kind of stretched your faith by saying, imagine Boris Johnson doing the same thing. Oh, that's probably going a bit far, you know, but who knows? Who knows what can happen? But I love the way Nebuchadnezzar ends his life, really. It's in Daniel 4. I'll just read it to uh, to save time. But he says this. This is, this is, this is Nebuchadnezzar's words to the end of his life. In Daniel, it's in Daniel 4:34. if you want to check it out later. It says, and at the end of time, I, Nebuchadnezzar, lifted my eyes to heaven, and my understanding returned to me. And I blessed the Most High and praised and honored him who lives forever, forever. For his dominion is an everlasting dominion, and his kingdom is from generation to generation. And the inhabitants of the earth are reputed as nothing. He does according to his will in the army of heaven. And among the inhabitants of the earth, no one can restrain his hand or say to him, What have you done? (laughs) This is Nebuchadnezzar, the guy that built a, a statue to glorify himself. Ain't got people to bow down before that? This is not the same man. And this is how he ends his life. In verse 37 he says this, Now I, Nebuchadnezzar, praise and extol and honor the King of heaven, all of whose works are truth and his ways justice, and those who walk in pride he is able to put down. He knew that very well. What a testimony. What changed his life. Four guys, Shadrach, Meshach, Abednego, and Daniel. All they did was did what God told them to be. What did they hold back on their lives? Nothing. Nothing. They were willing to go in a furnace. Daniel was willing to go into the lions. Then he wasn't prepared to compromise What? Suffer. Sold out, surrendered unto God. His entire life. And it changed the heart of an evil king. And let me tell you. If the church of God is like that. It will change the hardest heart. I believe it with my whole life. It can change a nation. And I have great hope for this nation. And I want to say it again. God has hope for this nation. God wants this nation back. And the church needs to take it seriously because the world is looking to the church. And if the church of God will rise up, who knows what God can do. But we've got to surrender our lives to Him. This morning in the prayer meeting, again it came out. And we saw these living stones again. And uh, we prayed, Lord, you know the Bible says He will build His church as we read it just now. And the gates of hell will not prevail against it. But again, we keep seeing these little stones, these some precious stones and living stones, but they lie all over the place. And we're saying, Lord Jesus, build your church. But I just had a little image as we sat there this morning. And I said, it's just Lord, just like this whole thing's fitting together for us. And he showed me, he says, Those are the stones. But you and I are those living stones, and we need to. Take ourselves to him and place ourselves in his hand. And then he will take that stone and put it in its rightful place. And take the next one who's willing to give his life to him. As you surrender to him, he'll take that stone and put it in its rightful place. And the next, and the next, and the next, and the next. That's how he builds the church. You see that? And when he builds that church, can you see why he says, because every stone is now in its rightful place. Fully committed and surrendered unto Him. Why even the gates of hell cannot prevail against it. That's the church of the living God. That's who He wants you and I to be. May God bless you. May God bless you. We're going to... John John's just going to come up and, and we're going to sing a song. We surrender to the Lord this morning. But I want you just... Just stay seated as you are. Bow your heads this morning. I want to take a time out this morning. You know, we've, we've spoken all week, and I'm so blessed that the Lord's taken this full all the way up to a point. And I think by now, I'm sure you've seen the picture. I'm sure you've seen what God wants to do. And I believe God wants us to hand ourselves over to Him. And as we said before, if we walk off this place, we drive away from here and we haven't changed. we failed. God is giving us the opportunity to change. He's giving us the opportunity to surrender ourselves unto him. And we want to come this morning and pray for you. And myself uh, and Dion, and I'm going to play first with as well, and, and uh, Jared as well. We'll pray for you. If there's anything you want us to help you with or pray for, then we encourage you to come forward.